Frank's Red Hot is the perfect blend of flavor and heat. So you can use an entire bottle to make recipes like buffalo chicken dip or buffalo nachos. Or even things that don't start with buffalo. Frank's Red Hot. I put that shit on everything. Hey, Craig! still got me and it still made me laugh so good job <laughs> so yeah the bowl game was great and here on episode 153 of podcast versus everyone i'm craig powers with me and jeff newser we will talk about that sun bowl which once again was not in the sun no um and how it was a pretty weird football game <laughs> and <laughs> to uh, put it mildly and yeah just uh, d- did not go how you would maybe the score was roughly in the realm of where you may have expected it to be you know kind of close whatever uh, a few plays made the difference which is kind of what we were both expecting um, well, except for except for those of us who were expecting a shootout <laughs> well you know yeah well you know take the over don't take the over yeah I, it was pretty close if wsc would have scored on their final <laughs> drive i think they might have hit the that's over true. that's um, true um but or it would have been close. I think it still would have been short. But anyways, uh, but yeah, uh, you know, 240 total yards for Wazoo, uh, getting stomped in the first half, 21 nothing, doing absolutely nothing on offense for an entire half of football. Uh, Jaden Delora going nine of 19 for 45 yards in that first half. Um, you know, definitely missing their top two running backs. Definitely missing. Definitely, definitely missing their right tackle, Abraham Lucas, who, who opted yeah. out of this game. Yeah, that's um, that's, that's putting it charitably. I, I I think, you know, obviously the defense giving up 21 points in the first half didn't look good, but one of those touchdowns was yeah. uh, on, a, short, on a short extremely field. Extremely short field. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, or was it both of them were actually? Um, yes, both of them were. Because one was a punt return field. and one was a turn uh, turnover. Right. Uh, so, and and then of course their final game winning or game clinching field goal uh, was on a short field as well. So a lot of points yep. uh, can be because in the end, you know, you look at the defense. This is the type of defensive performance. If you ignore the points, or you know, if you just look at what they gave up, that you would have thought would have resulted in a win. Uh, Three hundred fifteen total yards, only four point four yards per play. Uh, yep. They held down. Uh, that very good uh, running back, Nichols, who looks like an NFL guy, to 4.3 yards per carry, which outside of that, uh, he had a couple long runs. And then outside of that, like really 
they weren't able to sustain drives with him really, which was which was very cool to see. Um, the defense really played well, and uh, you know they played well in the passing game. Uh, their quarterback was fifteen to twenty eight, one seventy. Uh, that you know that's nothing to get excited about. Uh, but really, they were just the victims of circumstance. You know, they they uh, you know they held Central Michigan to two of four in the red zone. But two of those red zone trips were because they the started in the red zone. Started in the red zone. So yeah, it's it's um, yeah, it's it's tough, tough. It's tough for the defense to put any fault on them in this because really, given what they've done throughout the season, uh, this was one of their better performances. Yeah. And and they were just again put in bad situations where honestly, if they weren't put in those situations, we might have seen them give up something like ten. You know, ten yeah. to thirteen points or something. Yeah, considering the you know negative field position they were put in, like extremely negative field position they were put in a couple times. I mean, like, yes, do, would you love for them to turn one of those into a field goal? Of course you would, but I mean, that's you know maybe that's not realistic, or, or at least you know I, I I mean when a team's only got to go ten yards to score a touchdown. I mean, yes, sometimes you won't give up a touchdown, but. You know, I, I would assume that more often than not, you end up giving up a touchdown. So I, I think, you know, 24 points out of all of that, I think is, uh, is like superior. I think that's fantastic. Um, I think, let's see. So 24 points. Let's see how many point, how many drives. Uh, Central Michigan had 18 drives. Now, like two of those were, we were I think, we were expecting drives, like a but, 10 drive game. Right. So two of those drives were essentially non-drives. So so really it's like 16 drives. Okay? So you'd give up 24 points in 16 drives and especially when two of those drives started, you know, essentially inside your red zone, um to to be giving up less than 2 points per drive is is pretty damn good. Um so you love that, you love to see that. That was fantastic. I mean, yeah, against um, a a team that had generally had very good success rates in early downs, their average uh third down distance to go was 8.3 yards. Well, and we mentioned on the preview that they had been that their offense had been blowing people up, like they'd yep. been averaging, I think, f- what thirty points a game or forty points a game over their last four or something like that, something like that. It was a lot. Um, so yeah, to to hold them down to what we did, I think, um, I think was was fantastic. And um, you know the the way that they were able to be, like, like you mentioned, the running back um, Lou Nichols. That dude, that dude is probably ready for the NFL right now. Um, he looked so good, uh, really physical, shifty, good acceleration. I mean, I don't, I don't want to like go too overboard, but to be honest, um, you know, like, like a poor man's Derrick Henry, honestly, kind of came to mind. Um, just the way he runs, he's sort of deceptively fast and, um, you know, has these long strides and, you know, physical when he needs to be just a really good running back. So, um, you know, to hold him down, I mean, the, the overall number is 120 yards, but like you said, you know, 4.3, uh, 28 attempts, yeah, had, had one run of 38 yards. Yeah. And other than that, they bottled him up, which was, which was fantastic. Eight, so. 18 run stuffs, which is no gainer, uh, yeah. or fewer. Um, so that, you know, that's 42% of their rushes, uh, gained yep. nothing or less. That's, that's the kind of shit you want to see. I yep. mean, we had too many, eight out of our runs. Obviously we ran the ball far less, but, but just this defense, you know, it, it, it really, uh, the, the way the defense played 
down the, in the second half of the season, you know, probably starting with the Cal game, really. Um, and then they had some bet, you know, some so-so games in between there, but they, they had a lot of, they played some solid offenses and they, yeah. they, they really showed, you know, they played really well against UW. They played really well against Arizona. They played, uh, really well against Cal. They, you know, they, they maybe not so well against Stanford, uh, so-so against Oregon. Um, but, but they, they've shown that they, they were definitely better than we expected them to be this year. Uh, so that, that, the way the defense played in this game, which, as we talked about in the previous Central Michigan, if anything, had a very good offense and a suspect defense, which makes this all the more puzzling of a of a um, of a result. Uh, but if you're looking ahead to next year, I know they're losing a lot of guys, but we'll talk a little bit about how they're adding guys. But also, just if you're looking at what these guys did, the, almost the same team on defense the previous two seasons, yeah. you know, the short 2020 and the 2019, the strides they made this year were legitimate and yep. and get that defensive coach is still around and yeah he he got a guy that does things very similar to the way he does them um so that's that you know if you want to you know project way too much out of bowl games but i'm trying to bring in <laughs> the rest of the yeah. season here too but i this defense is something maybe wsu can get back to having an above average defense again in in the near term and and because they were probably maybe average to below average this year which is better than we were expecting which we thought they would be like an abject disaster so um so yeah the defense was very impressive and honestly there's a lot of the guys that made plays like rj stone like brandon jackson and the cornerbacks who were playing well they'll all be back next year yep they are i i would i would be you know, sort of reluctant to make big conclusions if this performance was out of character from what they had done. But as you mentioned, you know, they, this, this was kind of who they became, you know, they struggled a little bit with, uh, you know, really big physical teams like say Oregon, right. And Utah earlier in the year, uh, BYU, but you know, for the most part, you know this this was in line with who they had become as the season went on. Um, Central Michigan, the big thing with Central Michigan, and I think this wasn't uh, you know sort of hyped up enough during the broadcast was that you know Central Michigan's uh, got an explosive passing attack. Like they they are very much a um, run 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 hit you over the top kind of team, and they they were not able to do that. Um, the secondary held up well, um, you know, and so they just, you know, Central Michigan kept running and running and running because they just they really couldn't couldn't throw the ball, you know, for the most part. So, um, you know, they do lose we do lose a ton in the secondary, but um, I know they're you know they're already working to replace that. We'll talk about that in a little bit, but um, you know, just it was more of what we've come to expect from the defense, and the fact that we were able to do it without Jalen Watson was great. Um, so. Yeah, just really good, um, just sound stuff all around on defense, and and like you said, it you know it gives you hope for next year because the pieces are still there. The defensive line, I don't think, is going to change very much. I think most of those guys are coming back. I think just about even the older guys um, on the defensive line, uh, you know, the interior guys, I believe. 
um, all have another year. And I think most of them are planning on using it. So, um, you know, up front still should be pretty good, you know, for being, you know, undersized. I think they were able to Jake Dickert was able to, to coax a, a reasonable run defense out of those guys. And after what we saw from those guys in 2019, um, and granted, you know, it was a lot of the same guys and they were a little bit younger, but you know, still, you know, to, to mold them into something productive and something reasonable, um, I think is a major feather in his cap and, um, certainly looks like after, you know, the, the rough Rocky start to the year with the defense, um, that, that something's going there. And then on offense, you know, I mean, I, I mean, you know, if, if anything ever happens to Jane Delora, we've got Victor Gabalas, right? Yeah. After, after that second half. Yeah. Uh, I mean, if you, <laughs> If you want to be terrified on offense, you look at how the offensive line performed without. Oh my uh, gosh, so bad, three so rough. Starters. Um, I you got to give them credit. They they kind of rearranged things a bit. They settled down. Second half were a lot better. Yeah. Um, but Jaden was very clearly rattled in that first half because uh, he was getting hit yep. over and over and over again. Took a real. And we've nasty seen that hit. from him before. Yep. Um, when he's getting, when he's getting hit and he's got dudes at his feet and he can't, he doesn't know where it's coming from. Uh, he's, he, he, that poise that we get used to, uh, disappears pretty quick with him. And, and that definitely happened in the first half. And then when you got, you don't have your top two running backs, like Watson made one real nice run in in the, in the one drive they had in, in the first half that didn't work out, but it, uh, he, he had a real nice run, but he, he wasn't really, you know, sustaining drives in any way with his runs and you know you could probably blame some of that on the offensive line as well but um he he definitely didn't look like he was he he definitely looked like he left some yards on the field that maybe borgie or mcintosh would have would have gained um so you you definitely were down there and delora was rattled even when he was getting time maybe later in the half after they got he he still you know he made one nice pass really really nice pass to jackson but he missed a wide open uh, Donovan Ollie, which would have been a touchdown, like an 80 yard touchdown at one point. So it, um, so there's just you know some, some, uh, uh, just frustrating things from that first half that put them in a huge, huge hole. Obviously, because offense did nothing. Like it was, I, I don't, I can't remember. Like they, WSU. May have not like had a, an offensive a, 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 a offensive half of football that bad since like Mike Leach's first season. Um, Man, I don't was, even know if you could go back that. I mean, you'd, I think you'd have to probably go back farther than that, right? Yeah, like you'd have to go back to like some Paul Wolf shit from like it was, maybe his first year. It was nasty. It was that, and that's why when we're talking about why uh, we thought this was going to be you know more of a nine or ten or eleven possession game. And you get like 16 real possessions for Central Michigan. It's because WSU was just going three and out, three and out, three and out, three yep. and out, three and out. Um, and Central Michigan often was too. And so you, you right. get there was just so many possessions, even that first quarter. Um, you know, Central Michigan drove, got a couple field goals, but it was just like they weren't sustaining possession at all. Neither team was that much. But then, of course. Central Michigan gets a couple short fields off a of punt return and off of a off of a uh, turnover, and, and they they're just left with they're able to uh, build uh, a twenty one zero lead. But man, like uh, that first quarter, especially the the play uh, from the offensive line, particularly right tackle, like was 
was terrifying <laughs> and um they it was just it felt like they couldn't get anything going uh they were trying short passes central michigan was swarming those um it it, it was is real real rough real rough outing um but yeah and then Jaden, of course uh decides he has taken enough hits at halftime he was <laughs> yeah. hurt um he, he's hurt and he doesn't come back out for the second half um it was Victor Gabala's time and honestly that started out about as well as he thought it would but he really he found his way into the game he actually you know he I that was probably about as good as game as I could expect from Gabalas. He was yeah. inaccurate often, made like he missed some throws, but he made some really nice throws, made some yeah. big plays. Throw to Lincoln Victor for the touchdown was really nice. He hit Ollie on a on a deep ball, which Ollie kind of fumbled, it fumbled and made into a really weird play. But um, yeah, like when when it should have been a long touchdown, but yeah, <laughs> ended up not being. But hey, he led some uh, touchdown drives. Uh, you know, one yeah. was one was very short, but you know they scored on fourth down. He got kind of lucky; the ball slipped out of his hand and landed yeah. right in Stribling's arms. But uh, uh, but yeah, he made some nice throws. He's got an arm, a bit of an arm. You know, when when he when he can get back there and get on his back foot and launch it, um, you know, some nice touch. Uh, wasn't very consistent, but. Uh, kind of, he threw it. I mean, he only played the second half and he threw the ball 23 times. So he, uh, they, that's probably more than they ever expected Gabalas to throw the ball. Right. So, uh, but he had to, they were down 21, nothing at halftime. Um, but it was, you know, truthfully that second half, uh, was really everything about what this team's been all season, which is extremely resilient. Uh, I think we had all written it off. Um, you, you said they could make it interesting. Uh, but so, you know, there's a feeling that they would make it interesting just cause more of who they're playing, I think, than anything. But when yeah. Gabalas came out in that second half, it was like, uh, I don't know about this. Yeah. Um, I was like, never mind, Just kidding. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I had the feeling that they were waving the white flag almost like, well, cause I mean, there was no, there was no the, sense that the that final Delora play of the hurt. second, the final play of the first half, uh, it, it, they're, it's third and five, and they hand the ball off on like an outside run, right? And their their final offensive play, and then weirdly, uh, Jim McElwain, who called timeout to get the ball back, they don't. They have like almost a minute, and they don't even try to get in field goal yeah. range or anything. I think what they wanted, was, I think they wanted Pimpleton to try and get a return. I think that's what they were looking for. Was may, maybe they get a punt return because mm-hmm. he was such an explosive player. Um. You know, so I I think that's what they were going for, but still, it's like the the decision to sit on it at the end of the first half looked so looked very shaky in retrospect as uh, as the game was sort of coming down, and they just they really couldn't get anything going offensively in the second half. I I just I remember when Gabalas came out, I was like, well, I guess I guess we're waving the white flag on this one, like we're we're done, I guess. Um, you know, because there was no there was no indication that that Delora had been hurt. Like there was, um, you know, it's not like he was laying on the turf or looked like he had been limping or anything else. Um, and so when he didn't go back out there, it was just like, okay, well, I guess this is what we're doing now. Um, you know, it was, I you know, the game. So much of what was what happened on offense, particularly on the offensive line, um, I think is a good example for a lot of people who maybe 
kind of don't think about bowl games this the, the same way that coaches do um, is a good reminder that coaches think of bowl games a little bit differently. Um, you know, a lot of times they use them as program builders. They use them as ways to develop guys. And clearly um, Christian Hillborn, the right tackle, you know, God bless him. True freshman uh, was just way, way, way over his skis out there. Um, and frankly, it looked like had, you know, no business whatsoever being on that field. Um, just being beaten repeatedly and not, not even like, I mean, we speculated, okay, you know, maybe Rob Akey is going to bring, you know, some exotic blitzes and things like that. And they did blitz, but uh, you know, frankly, Hillborn was just getting beat like, like over and over and over again, just with speed rushing by essentially by men. Right. So here's a, you know, probably, I don't know, he's 19, probably right. 18, 19 year old kid, true freshman, uh, out there and he's getting, you know, manhandled by a man and, uh, and it's just, and it's not working. Right. And so, um, that was pretty clear evidence that, you know, whatever they were trying to do with that offensive line, they were trying to do it with an eye toward next year. Um, because once they switched it around and moved Fafita out to right tackle and then put, uh, Brock do do do, I don't know, at right guard, um, all of a sudden everything stabilized, right? Because right tackle was no longer a disaster. Right guard was good enough and, you know, everything sort of stabilized and that allowed, you know, Gabalas to have some time to throw the ball. So, you know, ha I have a hard time believing that throughout all those practices, they didn't see that Hillborn might have some issues um, because he was going up against Ron Stone and Brennan Jackson. So, I, you know, I would think that maybe you would have seen it. Um, or, or maybe he just got out there and, you know, got freaked out and was a half step slow. And that was the problem. I know he came back in cause I was kind of watching that mm -hmm. position as the game went on. He did come back in and play. They probably, uh, you know, I'm assuming brought him in, in some spots where they felt like he could be successful. So, you know, again, uh, you know, trying to develop the guy because leading into the game, Dickert was talking about the line going, um, you know, Hey, so we think that, you know, Kingston's best position is left tackle. That's probably where he'll be next year. And we think da da, da you know, Fafita and, you know, so just kind of in gomness and, da, 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 da. and it just kind of was like, you know, he kept talking about it in the context of next year. So, you know, coaches treat these games, they want to win. Obviously everybody wants to win, but they're also trying shit out and, you know, it didn't really work at right tackle. I'm glad they figured out, um, you know, a brief solution. I, I, I assume this means that they'll be hunting for a tackle in the transfer portal. Um, I think everybody else on the offensive line was okay. Um, I don't think there was anything else going on that made you think that, um, you know, there were any huge problems there. So, you know, something to build on and, you know, they, they probably do need to add one more body, um, given that, you know, Dickert was talking about, and, and, and this was something, by the way, we have never talked about, but apparently WSU has a backup tackle who is 6'11 and was a basketball player at Idaho and Oregon State before he came to play yeah. offensive line for us. Um, I did not know that this man existed on our, on our roster. Uh, but apparently he was in line to maybe get some snaps in this game, uh, which should tell you that, uh, should tell you a little bit about what what the situation was uh, on the offensive line as far as depth goes. Uh, once Liam and and Abe left, and and you know that's it's the same situation we're gonna gonna have next year. So yeah, we're we're definitely gonna need to add a body there. And then just really quick on Nikia Watson, uh, I was how do I say this kindly? Uh, not super impressed. I guess is the way I would say it. Um, maybe that's offensive line issues. Maybe he does a little better with, you know, with, with some better blocking up front, but, um, just, 
didn't seem like a real instinctive runner. Didn't, you know, maybe a little tentative, not as physical as I would have thought for his size. Um, again, maybe that's all circumstance, but definitely makes me kind of think, you know, I'm not, I'm not sure what we're going to get next year, um, from that guy. So yeah, I don't know. Anyway, back, back to our six foot 11 right tackle. Uh, did you know this guy was on the roster? No, I did not. I did not know he was on the <laughs> roster. I had to go look up his Ken Palm stats. Cause I'm like, Oh, I wonder what kind of basketball player he was. So I, I was, uh, by the way, not good, but you know, which is probably why he's a, an offensive tackle for us now. But I, I wanted to see him play. I wanted to see what it was like for somebody to throw behind a six foot 11 tackle, but alas, he did not get, get into the game. His name's Jack Wilson, right? Jack Wilson, I think. Sure. Now, now I'm feeling, now I'm feeling dumb. Cause I'm like, I can't remember the guy's name off the top of my head. So like the, the former MLB shortstop. Apparently. Yeah. I've, uh, I, yeah Jack I, Wilson. I forgot. I've forgotten about that guy, Craig. Thanks a lot. <laughs> that was such uh, a bad time in Mariners history. <laughs> uh, so yeah, Jack Wilson. Um, there we go. Six eleven, two ninety five. Yeah. Um, how about that? Yeah. So it seems like it, I would have noticed him before. You would think so. Like, Just how did I not notice that there was a six eleven guy on the know? roster? And how is this guy not in the middle of every punt block? Like, like I, I have right. so many questions now. Yeah, so... He yeah. was a four-star recruit out of high school as a basketball player when he went to Oregon State. It's amazing. 6'11". Well, yeah. Anyway. But yeah, so obviously um, he didn't get in the game. But second half kind of started... It looked like it was just going to be the same with uh, Victor Gabalas at QB. They punted twice, and then they got into another third and seven on their third drive. And out of nowhere, 55 yards, uh, catch and run to uh, Lincoln Victor. And they get some fortunate, a little bit of fortune on a on a uh, roughing the passer. And then the best QB in the entire game, Trevelle Harris, comes in in the in the wildcat and scores wsu finally scores yeah. a touchdown how about that and then the, and then this is how things go in in football games uh the very next play for central michigan travion brown does something that you've been waiting for travion yes. brown to yes. do makes an incredible athletic play to intercept the ball and gives WSU the ball right back on the 23. And then again, we get that that uh, kind of janky uh, ball slips out of Victor's hands on fourth down. Luckily, lands right in Stribbling. Suddenly, it became a ball game. And then after that, you know, WSU's defense played really well. Uh, and then we get to the fourth quarter. WSU, in, I'll say, you know, I, I liked how Dicker was approaching fourth down in this game. Um, but it maybe, you know, circumstance kind of forced him to, but uh, you could reason, you know, they could have punted on fourth and one and I would have been annoyed, but I would have understood, you know, most coaches yeah. would do that because they're on yeah. their own 32. They went for it and man, it sure looked like Nikia Watson got that yard. <laughs> Oh, he did. They got fucked. <laughs> yeah. Come on, man. 
Like he got there. It was really clear. Like the ball's in his right arm and he spins around and he lands his butt and his shoulders land beyond the on line, the line. Yeah. which means that oh. the football is clearly has to, even though on the, this is what was pissing me off. Cause I, I assume that they didn't overturn it because they looked and went, well, we can't see where the football is. And it's like, well, like no shit. Like use your brain. Like where else is it gonna be? Is it in the is it in the arm that you can see? No. Yeah. So it's in the arm that you can't see. And either way, the arm is down below, which means it's past the line. So anyway, whatever. So that was I mean, I, I was with you. Like I am I, I everybody knows I am as pro fourth down go for it as there is. Um, that one felt like a punting probably is the better way to go. However, however, I am ecstatic that he went for it because as we talked about, you know, just sort of over and over when we talked about Dickert, like, well, what kind of coach is he going to be? And, you know, how's that going to go? And, you know, what's, is he going to be a defensive coach? And, uh, you know, and, uh, no, he was really aggressive in this game and I like that. So I, you know, I, I'm, you know, it didn't work out, but the way I see it is number one, you know, bowl games are whatever results are, whatever, you know, I was, I was, uh, sad about the result on this one for about a second and then was just like, whatever, um, more important to me was kind of looking at the way he managed the game. And that, that was exactly what I want to see as a coach that, um, you know, wants to be aggressive and wants to try and, um, wants to try and win. And he, he did definitely did not play in a not to lose kind of situation. Now, maybe that's because they were, you know, playing from behind the whole game, but whatever it was, you know, I was glad to see that he was willing to push it in a spot where, uh, you know, pushing it probably made sense. And so that, that made me happy. That made me happy. Yeah. And then ultimately those three point they you know, central Michigan didn't even get a first down on that ensuing drive. Uh, but they ended up getting three points on a field goal. Um, and, you know, it, oh, I have to give credit, you know, they, they could have gotten that field goal earlier, but Ron Stone Jr. busted through their line and, and blocked, uh, blocked the, uh, yeah. another, a 25 yarder. So again, this defense was just keeping them in him, really kept it in them there, kept them in the game there, preventing them from getting a touchdown, preventing them from taking any extra time off the clock. WSU would turn over on downs on the next one after kind of a, you know, I, I kind of got they ran on third and ten when they were in Central Michigan territory, probably expecting to get some of the yardage because they knew they were going for it on fourth. But it looks real bad when you get a three yard loss on that run, and then they were yeah. in a real tough spot, um, incomplete pass on fourth down. But hey, they weren't out of it yet. The defense again, three and out, uh, and then WSU did exactly what they needed to do, getting the ball back with less than five minutes to play. That's when you got that big pass to Donovan Ollie. And then, you know, three plays later, you know, touchdown, real throw of the game for Gabalis, just absolute beautiful throw to the corner of the end zone for uh, Lincoln Victor. Um, and suddenly, you know, 24-21. And then the defense does it again. They, they get the three and out against this beast of a running back, you know, and then, they actually did so well in the first, you know, they got lucky with a, a delay of game. Thank you, Central Michigan. But uh, they forced a three and out. And and then, of course, that 
the final drive, you know, you have all that. You're so excited. They get five five yards on first down, looking yeah. good. But, you know, just I, – I just don't get plays that are designed to get exactly as much yardage as oh you God. need. Yeah. Because you need everything to run perfectly to get that right. yardage. And right. Victor's throw was just a little bit off and – and Hobart had to come back Hobart just had a tiny to, bit. Hobart had to come back and, and twist his body to catch the ball. And that was it. He got four and a half yards when he needed five yards. And I just, I don't get like, there was multiple receivers that just ran to the line and turned around. Yeah. Like, why are, that why just are seems we like that? bad technique. Yeah. Just, I don't, I don't like that. I don't like running a play. Like I'd rather you have you throw the ball on like a screen beyond the line with 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 where the guy is in a good opportunity to run yep. Be, because he's he's not in this game in this type of play you're basically you're you're expecting to get nothing after the catch so you need the throw to be everything right and you're asking your fourth string quarterback to make the th- perfect throw to the outer hash like you know beyond the outer hash that's tough and, you know, he didn't make a terrible throw. He completed it. But, you know, any other down, it would have been fine. But this down, it needed to be right on the money. It wasn't a huge gap that he had. And and he didn't get it. And I'm like you. I was bummed. But I flushed this pretty quick. It was such a weird game. Uh, just with all the guys that were out, the guys that were hurt throughout the game. You know, we didn't even mention Calvin. The reason Lincoln Victor had such a nice second half is because Calvin Jackson was out and he was playing. Yeah, for Calvin hurt his Jackson. ankle. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, this, I wasn't, you know, I was bombed. I would love to see him win. Cause I, you know, this team, I love this team man. they fought their ass off this year Yeah, and, and they fought their ass off in this game uh, in the second half when they could have, you know, they had their four string quarterback coming in. They lost their best receiver. Uh, you know, they, they were down their, their three of their offensive linemen down their top two running backs. And they, they went out and they made a game out of it. Um, uh, so it sucks that they lost, but yeah, I'm not going to lose sleep over this one. Uh, they lost a weird bowl game that was rescheduled four days before and uh, whatever, you know, <laughs> like, so yeah, it's, I mean, it, all bowl games are weird exhibitions anyway. Like nothing about the Nothing, nothing, nothing about them is normal. Like, any like the lead up to them, the practices, the the game planning, the all the stuff you do in town once you go to town. Like, I mean, nothing about it is normal. This one was even less normal than than usual. And so Wait, all of no that other, together. There's no other game throughout the season where you have all these planned social yeah. events throughout yep. the week. You know? Yeah. It's meant to be a celebration and, you know, of what the team accomplished. And I mean, that's really that's where bowl games originated, right? Like they were just sort of like, Hey, you know, you've had this good season come out and to this nice warm place and play a game against somebody. And and that's really nice. And okay, great. So this is our reward. Um, somewhere along the line, the, the results of the bowl game became very, you know, serious business for a lot of fans. And, um, I just think that everybody would, in you know, enjoy them more if they would, if they would look at the bowl game as, as what it is, which is just a weird, uh, exhibition that is, you know, that, that really just sort of stands alone and doesn't really carry a lot of meaning and doesn't really carry a lot of weight um, other than whatever weight 
you are putting on it for narrative purposes. So people, people who are like the, Oh, bowl games matter. I mean, if we had lost the Alamo bowl, that we would think of that season so differently. And I'm like, yeah, but that's like, that's, that's a narrative thing. That's how you think of it. Like, it's not a, it's not a real thing. Like it's, it's not, it's not a predictive thing. Like, you know, if you're sitting there going, Oh, you know, I had somebody on Twitter be like, you know, basically, Oh, 2018 created so much momentum. I'm like for 2019, like you do remember what 2019 was like, right? Like you remember that season? I remember that season. I remember wanting to like, uh, you know, tear out every last one of my hairs on my head, you know, watching us, you know, play defense and cough up leads and, you know, stumble our way to a six and six record after winning, you know, 11 games. Like that's what I remember about that season. So, you know, it, the bowl games are bowl games. They're weird. They, they're strange. They, they, uh, lend themselves to weird results. Um, especially when you got guys, you know, opting out or not playing or hurt or whatever. Um, you know, you, you put all that stuff in there, you know, you find out, you know, the day of the game, basically the Dion McIntosh or day before the game, Dion McIntosh isn't going to play, you know, I mean, it's just all these, these, you know, super weird things. So all of that to say the sooner fans sort of recognize and embrace that, and just approach bowl games as just these weird exhibitions that hopefully entertain you. Like really the only kind of bowl game that I can't stand or that make me mad, um, are bowl games like the, like the holiday bowl against Minnesota. Like that yeah, was or horrible. the holiday bowl against Michigan state. Well, that one too. <laughs> the, the next year. <laughs> yeah. It's just like, you know, like don't get curb stomped. Don't embarrass yourself. Don't be boring. Like those are kind of my standards, right? So that first half was like, oh, gosh, this is terrible. But I also felt like, you know, I mean, Central Michigan hadn't really done that much. You know, they had a couple of field goals and a short field touchdown and another, you know, it just was kind of like, you know, if, if, if we stop giving them chances like that, maybe we can, you know, climb back into this thing. And, and we did. And the game overall was entertaining. And, you know, we had some hope at the end. And, you know, I'm not embarrassed to lose to Central Michigan. And nobody's going to remember that. Like ever that we Central lost to Michigan Central Michigan fans will remember it. And yeah. It. Good for them. And they should, you know, they should, they beat a, they beat a PAC 12 team. This will be the, probably the biggest bowl game they ever play in. Probably. And, probably. and so it was a big deal. And, and, yeah, you know, good it, was, for them. it was interesting to see a lot of players that I didn't know about, like, you know, yeah. like Lou Nichols, like he, yeah. what, a, what a player. Like Khalil right? Pimpleton, man, that guy's awesome. Yeah. He declared, so he declared speed. for the draft. He declared yeah. for the draft. He's ready to go and try I mean, to he's do his got thing. A, he's explosive. He's got a career as a returner in the NFL. Yeah, yeah he's tiny. Uh, you but can be a return goodness. specialist. Yep. So, yeah, it was, that, you know, it was just it, like I didn't walk away from that game feeling sad or bad or anything. Like it was it was entertaining and it was fun. And, you know, bummer we lost. But, you know, maybe if Jaden Delora plays the rest of the game, maybe we win. Maybe, maybe we lose by more. I don't know. But, I like it was cool. I, I like my uh, – my friends, uh, Marty and Corey, were in. Uh, they were just in in Bend with a couple people for New Year's, you know. And they were they face they 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 FaceTime me at some point in the game, and then at the end of the game, like they very clearly were wanting to, you know, they were in like a little bit of party mood. They're like, uh, "Let's let's take a shot for the comeback," you know. <laughs> yeah, let's take a shot for them making it interesting. I'm yeah. like, all right. At like one o'clock in the afternoon, sure, you know, <laughs> let's take a shot for the for WSU didn't like get completely embarrassed in the second half. So, so yeah, exactly that. That's exactly you know they made 
the game interesting. Uh, they, as far as I'm concerned, they did me proud, man. They, they, this team, uh, they, they have some guts. They, they've gotten punched in the mouth a lot this year. Uh, they've come back from it a lot. It, it would have been really, it would have been really nice to see them get a touchdown at the end. It would far more storybook. It would have been much better for that narrative, Jeff. Uh, but we didn't get that narrative. We didn't get the four string climbing quarterback coming in and leading the, leading the comeback. He almost did. Um, but again, you know, it's when the game's that close, it, it comes down to a half yard on a couple different plays, a half yard on that play and a mythical half yard on that, that drive, two drives earlier. Uh, otherwise the game might've looked a lot different. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it is what it is. Uh, like it if they win, don't take it nearly as hard as I do regular season games when they lose. And that's, that's where I'm at. Um, I'm glad they did not get absolutely embarrassed. <laughs> That's yeah. like, I, well, I'm glad that that second, ha- that second half yes. turned around. Cause I would have been irritated if it was like a 28 zero or something, but, sure. but we got some moments and you know, yeah. got to be entertained or whatever. We got to entertain the, the randos watching college football in the morning or the mid afternoon, depending on where you yeah. live. I, you know, I don't think the loss diminishes this team at all. Like they, they did exactly what they've done all year, which is be resilient and fight and not give up. And, um, you know, there would have been, you know, a number of reasons why that might have, you know, they might've folded there or, you know, at the very least sort of seen it snowball even more. And they were able to, you know, kind of pull it together and figure out a way to, to kind of get the, get the thing back on the rails and, you know, and, and, they made a couple of plays they needed to make. It was like, boom, boom, you know, touchdown, touchdown. And all of a sudden it was like, Oh wow. Okay. <laughs> you know, here we go. We're there. Um, you know, I just think it speaks so well of, of the team and, and the culture that has been created there. And I don't, I don't know who you give credit to for that. I, t- I tend to give the players the credit for that, uh, more than, more than coaches, but, um, you know, just the way, the way that they continued to fight for each other and, and, you know, continued to not give up on things. Um, you know, I think just this game was such a great exemplification of that. And um, so even though they lost, you know, I, I walked away thinking, um, you know, just again, being impressed by them. Um, losing sucks, but at the same time, um, you know, all the stuff that we grown, that we grew to love about this team were on full display in this game. And um, so that was fun. That part was good. I liked that. Yeah. So, um, what you can do, the season is over. That is sad. Uh, this season was so much more than I expected it to be. Yep. Um, I'm very happy with it. We got, we, I mean, how many WSU seasons do you win in Berkeley and win in, uh, Tempe and win in Seattle? That doesn't yeah. happen very often. Probably so, not very many. Um, yeah. So that's even, even some of WSU's best teams cannot accomplish beating those three teams, let alone on the road. So, um, that's, uh, that, that's something to hang their hat on. And they had every reason to be terrible this year. And this had every reason to fall off the rails. Um, but it didn't. And they got to a bowl game. They ended up with a winning record. Uh, you know, and, you know, kudos to them, uh, for being resilient. And, and I'll, I'll always be one of my favorite, uh, group of team as uh, in terms of the group of players. So, um, Thanks, guys, for that. Very cool. Uh, but, you know, we can wrap that up. It's over. Uh, no more. 
Uh, and now, Jeff, um, maybe we can take a break and then we'll get back. We'll talk about some of this, uh, you know, some of already the offseason movements, some of the co- new coaching hires, more transfer portal, hot transfer mm. portal action for WSU. We'll talk about that, plus the hoops teams uh, when we come back from break. All right. Well, before we talk about all that stuff, I said let's uh, let's. I just want to know what you're drinking, Jeff. Yeah, let's talk about beer. Uh, I am having a Battlestar IPA from Crux, which is one of my favorite breweries. I love them. Um, so this one says, "For Battlestar, our boundless pursuit of the perfect IPA took us halfway around the globe, before sending us straight out of the solar system in search of a supreme balance of hops, malt, and inspiration. Dry hopped with galaxy and mosaic hops, this galactic India pale ale delivers intense tropical and citrusy flavors suitable for faster than light travel, casual projection, or just kicking back with friends here on Earth." I don't know. I just like the way that was described. So. Yeah, it's good, man. It's kind of West Coasty. It's got like a, um, it's kind of a little fruity on the front end, bitter on the back end. Um, I dig it. I dig it. I love Crux. Yeah, very cool. Um, IPAs, baby. IPAs. Um, uh, and West Coasty IPAs making that comeback. And Crux, I haven't had a beer from Crux in a while, actually. Oof. Um, uh, I am uh, drinking when I've, I've, you know, I, I, I don't repeat breweries too often, but I, I'm repeating this time because um, I got a little uh, gift box. Well, I bought it for myself, but it was a box of stouts <laughs> from. Uh, it's still a gift. It's still a gift. To, to, to sit from Sig Brewing in Tacoma, yes. um, who I've, I've talked about. Uh, their head brewer came from. Uh, Jeff Stokes came from Three Magnets. Uh, he's a friend of mine. They, they, they make very good beer. They've, they've, Really, you know, they opened in the pandemic and they've done really well. Um, so kudos to them. But, uh, so I got this box of, uh, yeah, different stouts in it, a couple, a barrel, well, different dark beers. So I had a barrel aged, uh, Baltic Porter, uh, barrel aged stout, um, and then two kind of pastry type stouts. And so the one I'm drinking today is called Sig House of Pancakes. Uh, Imperial, Imperial chocolate chip pancake pastry stout, which if you're thinking of IHOP, I know when I was growing up and I went to IHOP, always got the chocolate chip pancakes in the Mickey Mouse shape. Um, Uh so, uh, so this is a big, sweet stout, no doubt. Um, not, you know, Jeff, I I think you've had the, the, the great notion, uh, 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 what is it? Great double stack. Not yes. quite as mapley as that, but still quite a lot of maple. Um, a lot of chocolate. Definitely get the. Um, they they've done an interesting thing. They they've kind of built. There's this kind of you get this taste of like the the kind of caramelization, the the kind of char you get on a pancake, um, the the toastiness of it. So you get kind of that. Um, so that's pretty well done. 
I will say this beer, I'm drinking a whole entire 16-ounce can of it at 13.5%. Probably best <laughs> served in a smaller portion. Um, it is a lot. Good to share to with take a friend. On. A lot to take on, not just from an alcohol perspective, but just it's very sweet. It's very yeah, I was going to say, I imagine the flavors get a little uh, get to be a little much before too long. Yeah. And definitely they change a bit. Like I got more maple early. I'm definitely getting more of the kind of like pancake and chocolate chip as it goes on. But yeah, it's, I mean, it's tasty. If I was splitting it with like two other people, I'd probably be a little bit happier because it's, it's, it's a hefty, hefty beast. Um, plus, um, it's kind of unwieldy as a, as that big of a stout and it's not uh, barrel aged or anything, not aged on any sort of oak. So it's not really reined in at all. It's just kind of, everything and very sugary and and so it's a nice dessert stout for sure or a yeah. breakfast stout i guess if you want to have I, it for breakfast well if you just want to get would have been good to have for on. a sun bowl probably yeah yeah well if i wanted to you know stay awake for the sun bowl probably not i, <laughs> I so i the reason i did the sig beers because what i did have during the sun bowl was when i went to sig to pick up this dark beer pack they actually had a beer on draft called palouse pride um, which, uh, is made in the, the grain that they get is from a, um, I think, a link malt, um, who, uh, is a Spokane based, um, malt, uh, company and they, uh, get a lot of their grain that they turn into malted grain for beer from the Palouse. And, nice. and I know Jeff, when he worked at, uh, um, Three Magnets had Jeff Stokes, not you, Jeff, worked at Three Magnets. He also had a had a, a beer, you know, they, they put like a cougar on it. And I can't remember what the, the name was exactly. But they, they kind of worked in junction with WSU and Link Mall uh, to, to make uh, a beer. So uh, Jeff actually uh, went to school in Walla Walla. So he has lived, you know, in that area, although he is from the Bay Area. But um so he he kind of knows Eastern Washington a bit and and uh, has some connections there and it was really cool you know like it was the night before the Sun Bowl and I see Palouse Pride so I got a couple crawlers of that and that's I had I had some Palouse Pride from Sig while I watched uh, Pilsner much easier to take down at nine o'clock in the morning yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. uh, so that's that's what I went with uh, and that's why that's why I had a diff- another Sig beer. Uh, today, so I could talk about that beer, which is a very tasty, very tasty pilsner made with all Washington ingredients, including malted uh, malted grain from the Palouse. So very cool. If you uh, in the Spokane area, highly recommend going to check that beer out. And I you know it. they, you know, you get to have a beer made in part from the Palouse. So that's very cool. I love and it. then of course hops come from Yakima very regularly. So. Uh, it's, it's a lot easier for Washington breweries to make all Washington beers. As long as they can just get the malt, the, the malted grain, uh, then they're set because they probably already get all their hops from Washington. So, yep. um, but yeah, so that's what we're drinking. Uh, but Jeff, now I kind of wanted to get into some of the coaching staff, uh, additions and also some of the transfer portal additions that the football team has had. Um, as they try to build back and, and, you know, keep this bowl thing going. Yeah. I'm not going to pretend to know a whole ton about (laughs) the the coaching staff additions. Um, I, you know, I'm certainly not super well versed in the, uh, the finer points of, 
um, you know, who's a good assistant coach and who's not. And, you know, so I'm not, I'm not going to go, you know, too deep into that, but I, I do know that we've, you know, talked about some of the flaws that we saw in, uh, Nick Rolovich's staff. We, we drew a little bit of a parallel to Paul Wolf's, um, initial staff and, and just kind of feeling like the guys who were on the staff, uh, you know, may have been, you know, in over their heads a little bit. Um, not, you know, not a lot of power five, uh, experience or connections, uh, when it came to recruiting or anything like that. Um, and so those were the things that, that sort of concerned us about their staff at the time. Um, some of that I think proved to be true with, um, you know, in particular the offense, um, you know, with basically all the Hawaii guys, you know, coming over on the offense, um, and, you know, a couple of Hawaii guys coming over on the defense as well. So, you know, it, it was kind of like, this is, this is problematic. Um, this staff does not look like that, right? Like we've, so we've hired Eric Morris to be the offensive coordinator. Um, you know, it's a guy who was, um, the offensive coordinator at Texas Tech. Now that was under Cliff Kingsbury, which means that, you know, Cliff was really the offensive coordinator. You know, you're not, you know, it's not quite the same, uh, you know, if you're working under him, but still, you know, lots of power five experience there. Eric Morris was, you know, of course with us for a year. Um, he goes way back with Leach. So, you know, even though he coached the last four years at the FCS level, um, pretty extensive connections, uh, you know, at the power five level. And then also just the fact that he, um, was coaching, you know, an FCS program in Texas, uh, you know, means that he knows a lot of high school coaches in Texas, you know, obviously he played at Texas tech from tech, you know, okay. So there's that Clay McGuire comes back offensive lineman. We know what he can do, what he can recruit. Um, you know, I mean, you kind of look at our offensive line, uh, you know, so two of the guys on the offensive line who didn't play in the bowl game were recruited by Clay McGuire, right? Uh, Abe Lucas and Liam Ryan, both were, recru- were recruited by McGuire. So, um, and there, there's kind of a gap right now on the offensive line between, um, you know, those guys and then some real young guys and, and typically where we would expect those kind of junior seniors, um, to be, there was kind of a gap there. Mason Miller, you know, whether you want to call it bad luck or, or, you know, maybe just wasn't that great of a recruiter, whatever it was. Um, there's a hole in there for the years that Mason Miller, um, was our offensive line coach. So, um, uh, feel good about getting McGuire back. Uh, you know, the, the running backs coach, uh, I, I think it's at, Atuwaya, I think is how it's pronounced. Um, so he comes over from Virginia, um, again, lots of, you know, power five coaching experience, uh, you know, was it BYU before that, um, really seems to be the guy on the staff who's going to specialize in recruiting the poly kids, um, which, you know, is, is, as we know, is a really valuable, um, you know, he's, he's from Hawaii and of Samoan descent. Right. So, um, you know, you look at a guy like that and go, okay, that's, that's a really valuable, uh, you know, talent pipeline to tap into for, for, for Washington State. Um, and then Falani, you know, had been on the wide receivers coach, um, had been on our staff, um, you know, under Mike Leach. I think he was a, a grad assistant or an analyst or something. Um, but you know, he had been here and again, you know, lots of connections there. So, uh, it seems like Dickert really made an emphasis to bring in guys with some power five experience, um, diversify, you know, if not maybe totally ethnically, but, or, or racially, but, um, diversify in terms of experience and reach and things like that. Um, lots of power five experience coming in, um, all the things that I would want to see from the staff. So, um, like I said, I'm not going to pretend that I know that any one of these hires is a great hire, but I think taken in the whole, um, you look at this staff and go, yeah, this is, this is the kind of staff that I see a guy like Jake Dickert, um, needing to succeed. If I, if I was like, Hey, this is the kind of staff I want to put together. This is it. So that makes me feel good. 
So um, you're you're missing the headline here. Uh, so the uh, the biggest thing that came of these hires was Mark Atawea and his family putting out a surprisingly <laughs> yes. amazing rap video yes. welcoming, uh, welcoming welcoming themselves to Pullman and then we find out his wife is the former lead singer when she was a teenager um of the 80s band the Jets and um known as Elizabeth Wolfgram at that time um and so the lead singer of the Jets now lives in Pullman with her uh, husband and her their seven children, who we saw, I think, many of in that video. Um, so, yeah, that's uh, pretty crazy. I don't know how many um, assistant coaches' wives at WSU have ever had their own Wikipedia p- uh, page. Uh, yes. But uh, Elizabeth Atuea has her own Wikipedia page. It's under Elizabeth Wolfgram. Of course, but uh, um, uh, very interesting stuff. Uh, so, uh, at least from a musical perspective, uh, WSU uh, got a bump. I think the the LDS Church has has some musical talent headed its way in Pullman. So, yeah, uh, there may be there may be some you know their choir maybe getting a bump there. You know, so um, pre- pretty. Uh, pretty uh, interesting stuff, and that video truly like I expected it to be really cringy, but it was actually well done. Like, yeah, not was, cringy. How did yeah, that it happen? Was, how do you do that sort of video and not be cringy? I don't know. I, I don't know um, either. It, it's you just have to be genuinely talented. And, I think and that's that, what it is. That family is genuinely talented, and that yep. was really fun. Um, and I hope we get more because yeah, that was pretty fun. I agree. I agree. Yeah, that was that was funny. Um, did you know, by the way, that the Jets' original name was Quasar, named after the television uh, <laughs> Very cool. at the time? Um, and then every member of the Jets—they uh, are siblings. Mm-hmm. They are all siblings, all of them. So all I did, eight of I did them. Not know that. Yeah, how about I did that? not know that either. I just yeah. learned that while you were talking. Um. <laughs> so yeah, that's pretty great. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I. Man, I, I I have nothing to complain about with this staff. And, you know, people who listen to the show, like, listen, you know that I was, like, extremely skeptical about Jake Dickert and the hire and just like, man, can't we do better than this? And, I at, listen, at this point, um, at, like, I can't really find fault with anything that he's done. Um, not that I'm trying to find fault with it, but it's like I tried to be even-handed in my I mean, assessments. He's, he's brought, back, brought back guys that, you know – have been at WSU yep. uh, that, that were with a successful yep. uh, staff at WSU. He brought in a guy to run a, a pass heavy a style of offense that WSU has been successful with before. He brought in a guy to run a defense that is similar to his, but also similar in style to what they've done before. He's brought in guys like Clay McGuire, like you talked about that have already had success. And then he brings in a guy that can tap in, to uh you know the polynesian uh recruits and 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 that's something that wsu has always had when they were successful so um all around like it there seems to be a lot of thought put into the staff yep and and you know he's got his two um wyoming guys that he brought over but it was only two and, and yeah, he didn't other load than up the that, staff with those guys. Yeah, and and one is just his chief of staff, you know, and 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 so that's 
you know, that's, that's an important guy to have that you trust. And then, and then his, his defensive tackles coach is also his associate head coach. So he brought in the guys that are kind of close, working most closely with him, um, are the, are guys that he knows. And then he just went out and, and found, you know, talented people and, and people that have been successful. People have worked in power five and that's, that's great. And, and, and like you said, it's not what we expected when we hired him. We were a bit worried to be just another kind of like Rolo staff or it's just a bunch of a group of five yep. uh, guys, but it wasn't. And because I, he's a guy who really only had G five experience before this, yeah. but he's figured out a way to, to, you know, reach outside that zone, which not a lot of coaches are able to do. So pretty great. Yeah. I'm excited. I'm stoked. I, you know, maybe I'm just, you know, putting on crimson colored glasses cause now he's our coach and I should like him, but you know, like I said, I can't, I can't find fault really with anything that he's done. I think it all, I think it all looks good. And, you know, I, I, I don't know if it's going to work. I mean, who knows if it's, we know, don't know if anything's ever, the process work, but, is good, but the process all, all, is good. And that's what I can judge right now. With. All we can judge right now is the process. And, yep. and, it, and it looks like it's been thoughtful. It's been intentional and, and, and they've went out and got guys from, you know, peer programs and brought them over and, and that's great. Uh, yep. That's that's a good sign that WSU is a place that people want to work, and Jake Dickert is is a guy that people want to work for. So that's as, yeah. And as I we think that's about, important. Poise. I think that's an important point. Yeah. What you just said for sure. Like be, he called up, and people were like, "Okay, <laughs> right?" Like you know, some of it was you know guys getting promotion, but I mean, you know, Morris leaving Incarnate Word to come be our offensive coordinator. I mean. I'm not going to say that being an offensive coordinator at Washington State's not a step up. I mean, it is a step up. But, you know, if you're doing what he's doing, you know, maybe you stick it out for another year and maybe you got another job. I mean, just, you know, there are chances that he could have gotten maybe a bigger job than this one had he, you know, hung around for another year um, in San Antonio. And so it's like, you know, you feel you feel like, okay, he was able to convince him to come and, you know, Clay McGuire comes and. I don't know. Like it's, I think it says something about Dickert that he was able to, um, you know, like you said, that people were taking his phone calls and, and were willing to come. They were, you know, on some level they believe in what he's, what he's trying to do. So, um, you know, that's, that's a pretty good sign. Yeah. And honestly, uh, now they're hitting that transfer portal hard and yeah. they've already as, gotten, as they should, know, <laughs> as, as they brought in Atuaya and he already brought someone with him. And, and it's, uh, we talked about him recruiting the poly kids. It's a, it's a, you know, kid of, of Polynesian descent, Nusi Milani, um, a defensive lineman coming over from, uh, coming over from Virginia and he's only a sophomore. Uh, Suck it, Tony Bennett. Yeah. Suck it, Tony Bennett. So, you know, big guy, six, six, two seventy five. Um, it, he, he, you know, he may just be depth, you know, that where he's playing, we already got a couple guys, but I mean, he's kind of a defensive tackle too. So we, they probably will try to slot him in there, but it's also like that. That's a nice guy to bring in. And then, you know, they brought in, uh, they're bringing in guys from Nevada. <laughs> Obviously, uh, they, he's not on the two, four, seven page yet, but they brought in a, a safety from Nevada to go along with uh, uh, Diane Henley, the linebacker. And I can't, um, here we are, the safety's name. Uh, 
Jordan Lee. So, you know, they're bringing safety was a position that they were looking at needing to bring in someone and, and probably would have been better to have someone experience. And they went out and got one now. And Jordan Lee seems like a guy that creates turnovers and is a bit of a ball hawk. So probably fits in really well with what WSU wants to do. If you're taking the top couple of guys off any Mountain West team, you're probably doing great. Like you're probably making your defense better, um, or, or at the very least, you know, adding guys that definitely can play for you. Um, you wouldn't want probably the whole defense, but if you're taking the top two or three guys, those guys I'm sure can play at the at the Power Five level. So um, I feel great about this. You know, we definitely need in the secondary with with Lee. Um, you know, as far as Milani goes, you know, I'm not, I'm not sure if he's going to be slated to play that much this year. Um, I am curious to yeah. see what they want him to do with his body. Um, you know, at six six two seventy five, that's actually pretty lean. Um, you know, for a guy like, like height, for example, for sure, yeah. yeah, if we think of, uh, you know, I want to say Dallas Hobbs is about, you know, six foot six, six foot seven, something like that, but. Um, maybe like 285, 290, I think is where he's at. Um, you know, and when you look at him, you know, he doesn't look like, uh, I mean, he's obviously a big guy. I don't, I don't want to like make it sound like he's not, but he doesn't look like a big, thick defensive tackle. Yes. That, that kind of round right. body that you expect. Right. He was a pretty lean guy for that size because he's so tall. Um, this guy's the same. Like when I, when I've seen highlights of him, he just, he doesn't look that big. And, and a lot of that is the fact that he's so tall. So, um, you know, I am really curious what they, you know, try to do with him. If they try to uh, pump him up a little bit or if they try to, you know, keep him that size and, and use his quickness. Um, it's going to be interesting, but it, you know, real nice piece. Looks like he has the frame to add some more weight. Uh, could, you know, go 285, 290, I think, you know, without too much trouble. Um, yeah, really interesting piece there. WC recruited him. When he was in high school, um, he mm-hmm. chose Virginia over Wazoo and I think, uh, I want to say Arizona. Um, so, you know, we've wanted him for a couple of years and now we got him again. And um, so that should be fun. I'd, I, you know, it's, I think they're doing the right thing, you know, as we kind of expected that they would with the portal. Um, we just kind of, when we looked at, you know, how many guys or how few guys they signed on signing day, we thought, okay, well, they're, they're probably going to hit the portal. Well, we already got three guys you know, coming in via transfer. So, um, and, and, and in good spots, yeah. Uh, you know, you're talking the middle of the defensive line and then, yeah, all three uh, levels, the, right? All three levels. Yeah. And, you know, we'll see what else, you know, I don't think they're done. I mean, they just put that staff together. <laughs> like that yeah. staff is, no, they're not done. Is, is fresh. They're, they're still going to be out looking guys. They may still be going after high school guys too. Gotta um, find but a tight end. <laughs> yeah. Are there yeah, any tight gotta, ends in the transfer portal? Yeah, they they yeah, if they're gonna run an offense with a tight end, they only got that one yeah, freshman true coming freshman. in. So that's gonna be rough. That's a lot to put on him. Um so yeah, and then obviously uh offensive line if they could. That's that's probably a harder one generally in the transfer portal, but um, you know, receiver maybe uh would be helpful. Um I mean it's a lot of needs, but uh, and obviously running back, I haven't said that running back, uh, could be, you know, but here you're looking at, and we can talk about this a little bit. Um, I know you wanted to talk about it a little bit, the transfer portal and, and kind of what its impact is having, uh, and not just the transfer portal, but the fact that guys can have that one-time transfer of playing immediately, which takes away the, probably the big, the biggest disincentive, uh, of transferring before is that you'd have to sit out an entire year 
before you could play again. But now we know all these guys are going to play right away because uh, they can transfer once and, and play immediately. Um, so uh, at, when you're looking at WSU, they've obviously lost a lot of guys in the transfer portal um, through coaching, you know, in the midst of coaching changes and all that. Um, and now they're gaining. They've also gained some guys in the transfer portal. Where do you think? Where do you think they're landing on this? Are they benefiting from this, or is this a negative for them so far? Or yeah, is I it think just they're- a, whatever. It's in the middle. <laughs> I, I think they're benefiting. I mean, who who have we lost? Where you think? Oh wow, that that's a guy we invest. You know. So by the way, this this is the way like a lot of fans look at it, right? Like they they're like, well, you know, we invest in a guy and develop him, and then he just leaves, right? So like that's that's the fans' perspective on. Um, you know, kind of how all this, you know, is w- when they get mad about a guy transferring or, or whatever, I, like, can, like, I can't really think of anybody who left to up transferred. Can you, like, I, I'm, I'm struggling well, to think maybe of anybody. Tay Martin probably is okay. the only one who went to right. a better situation for sure. And he left, you know, basically because of COVID, right? Like he didn't know yeah. if there was going to be a season. Um, so he went ahead and transferred and went to a big 12 program that he knew was going to have a season. Right. So he goes ahead and goes uh, other than him. Yeah. We know that not, shirt that coach was wearing. He was going to play. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we're not losing guys on up transfers to, you know, USC or Alabama or wh- whatever it is that people, you know, were, were afraid was going to happen. And instead we're able to, you know, pick up some guys that, you know, for example, you know, the two Nevada kids like, okay, so they're coming up. Well, you know, for them, they want an opportunity to play at, you know, essentially, quote unquote, the highest level, right? I mean, obviously, you know, Washington State's, you know, not competing for, a, you know, college football playoff or anything. But I mean, it's a power five, you know, you get, you know, we, we've got Wisconsin on the schedule next year, we've got USC, you know, we've got, you know, Oregon, I mean, you've got Oregon. a chance to play these big time programs, if you come to Washington state that you don't get, you know, if you're at Nevada, right. So, um, they want a chance to, to test themselves against, against the best, uh, players. And so they go ahead and do that. And I, and I think Washington state's in an excellent position to take advantage of that. I think programs like Wazoo, Oregon state, Arizona, um, you know, maybe even Utah, I don't know, Utah, maybe sort of a little above that at this point. Um, but, you know, programs like that, I think, have an opportunity. Plus, you've got programs in the conference that won't take transfers, right? So Cal's not taking transfers, really, and Stanford's not taking transfers, really. And, um, you know, I guess USC's taking transfers now. But, you know, it's like, you know, these are programs that, you know, would normally be competition for you with high school kids that are not competition for you uh, with transfer kids. So um, I, I think overall it's a net positive. I mean, and this, by the way, is all just setting aside, you know, just philosophically you and I knowing and, and believing that this is good for kids. So, and I say yep. kids, I mean, they're, they're adults, but you know what I mean? It's good for them. Yeah. So I'm happy that it's good for them. So that makes me happy. Um, but just from a wazoo perspective, I think ultimately it's a net positive. Um, you know, most of the guys that we've lost have down transferred. They've, they've gone to, you know, programs, uh, you know, at a, at a lower level. So, um, you know, I think, I think in all WSU makes that comes out ahead. Um, you know, fans like to point to, you know, single examples of things, but, um, I mean, at this point you can't even really, you can't even really point to a single example of a guy transferring and having it be other than Tay Martin, having it be a, a serious loss. And, and, you know, and Tay Martin was, um, that was a special circumstance. I'm sure it will happen. 
you know, it's, it's going to happen. Somebody's going to leave and we're going to be super bummed out. And, um, you know, maybe like the, the volleyball player, right. Um, I'm trying to remember her name now, but, um, yeah, there we go. Who, who transfers to Oregon and you're like, what the fuck? Right. Like, like, no, that sucks. That's horrible. Um, but on balance, you know, we haven't had that happen with, you know, any of our major sports, um, you know, with, with, you know, sort of the two revenue sports, right. Football and basketball that people, pay the most attention to. And so I think that overall this is, well, yeah, I mean, not, um, Malachi Flynn was definitely before the yeah. transfer portal. Um, and he had or to at least sit before out a year eligibility, but yeah, yeah, he was before that. Uh, he had every reason to transfer, honestly, but it, um, so I couldn't fault him on that. And obviously, you know, before him, the, you know, they, but the, this was in a different era, you know, when it comes to, Immediate guys, you know, WSU went out and tried to work on that this year. You know, they, you know, they tried to get Kim Aiken. They, you know, they got Michael Flowers. Um, I'm sure they'll be looking to add guys this time around in basketball. Yep. So, you know, you mentioned basketball. Let's talk basketball. They haven't played in what seems like you know the men's team. <laughs> Wait, has is not there still played a season? Are they like... still playing? Yeah, I know. It's 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 one of those things where they, it's been so long since they played. It's bizarre. That you're it's like, really bizarre. Is it still basketball season? They haven't played since the, what, the 22nd? Yeah. Where, when was that? So it's been... Uh, it's been two weeks. Two weeks. They were supposed to play UW. Fucking COVID. Um, which, uh, very quickly after that and other cancellations, the, Pac- the Pac-12, who must listen to our podcast, Jeff, George Klavikov yes. must listen to our podcast the very next day. They kind of altered the the protocols, and now you're not testing kids for just for the sake of testing them. You know, not testing unsymptomatic uh, players and stuff like that. Um, so, you know, I you know we'll take some credit. Obviously, you know, George, thank you for listening. Yep. Uh, and, and and making real policy change just overnight after you you know that morning you were listening. You're like, oh, I better change totally this. So, that. Uh, you know, thank you, man, for listening. Um, yeah, I appreciate that. Uh, if you want to talk about other ideas we have, you know, uh, hit us up. Um, but but anyway, so uh, obviously uh, that did not come because of us. But you don't, you can't prove it. You can't prove that it didn't. Uh, but anyway, so yeah, they have a little bit better, uh, more common sense protocols now. Um, so I'm hoping that leads to less cancelizations when like it's a team full of healthy guys and one sick guy, and like you you cancel the game because like. You know, they, they, someone was around someone for 10 minutes or whatever. Um, so hopefully, hopefully they, you know, they, they kind of take a more common sense approach to that. Um, and, and we don't, we don't see as many cancelizations, cancellations. Uh, as, as Kyle uh, Smith said today, they had two guys that weren't, they were sick, um, before the UW game. Um, but just because of, you know, contact tracing, all that. Uh, they ended up having to cancel it. Uh, but they did clear protocols for their trip to Colorado and then Utah. Uh, so hopefully we will see the men's basketball team play this weekend, which has historically in what has historically been, uh, the worst goddamn road trip on the schedule. Yep. Um, the mountain road trip, which, uh, features, uh, what, where does, how do we get to that? Um, uh, home court ratings. Here we go. Features the number one 
rated home court advantage on Ken Palm in Colorado, and then the number nine rated home court advantage of course. In, on Ken Palm in Utah, um, which is also the fifth highest elevation in Colorado of any uh, uh, arena, and then the tenth highest at Utah, um, which obviously is part of their part of their uh, home yeah, court when advantage. Yeah, when you look at all these. The top nine elevation you got elevation Colorado, Texas Tech, Air Force, New Mexico, Utah, like lots and lots of elevation there. Yeah, but but yeah, so uh, not you know especially it doesn't seem like a fun trip when you had to take some days off and then go uh, play at elevation. Uh, the the like uh, generally you know I have the fear over you know, playing these two games, there's been, you know, just such like this, no success whatsoever in the, in this road trip, but these are two games that are there for WSU to win two very winnable games that will look good on the resume. Um, and, and they should, you know, they, they, there, it's a coin flip against Colorado. It's, it's a coin flip against Utah, you know, in terms of Ken Palm's predictions. But these are games, if you look at the talent on both teams, WSU should be, you know, coming out on top. Uh, but we've seen that hasn't been the case for them. Maybe, you know, uh, we'll say, we, you know, they have now named, uh, uh, <clears throat> they now named Noah or Michael Flowers and, um, Matt DeWolf as captains of the team. So that's a change. So maybe there's some kind of cohesion coming to the team. Maybe there's some, you know, because it really just seems they have not been much of a cohesive team so far. They're trying to figure out who works with who and, and, and who's going to do what on the, on the court, especially offensively. Um, so hoping that maybe this time off gave them some time to gel, figure out what they want to do. Cause obviously the games weren't, doing that necessarily um so hopefully we can maybe move forward maybe there'll be a little bit of a bit of a different team coming off the long break and and hopefully not too gassed so they can play at this elevation because these are two games colorado and utah that wsu could win they they have the team that can beat these teams uh it's just this has been so so there's such hard places to play and that's that's where you kind of throw your hands up and you go i don't know if there's anything that I am legitimately concerned about, it's conditioning. Because when you go on pause, right, uh, you're not practicing. So they haven't played a game in two weeks. They're not pra- – They for some part of that time, we're not practicing at all. Um, I don't know how much. I don't know how long they've been practicing. You know, we don't – as we've talked about uh, behind the scenes a whole bunch, one of the, you know, sort of maddening things about – college sports is that they, they are not forthcoming with information very typically. And Kyle Smith is more open, I think than most, um, about things, but he, he's playing this one pretty close to the vest, um, saying that, you know, it sounds like everybody should be available except for maybe one person. They're not really sure. Wouldn't say who the person is, you know, whatever. So, I mean, we just, we don't know what kind of shape they're going to be in. We don't know who's available. We don't know who, you know, he mentioned a couple of guys, you know, got hit pretty hard with symptoms. Um, so it, it, this wasn't just a contract tracing situation. Like 
Um, there were some legit, you know, symptomatic, uh, sickness within the program. So, you know, who knows how that affects people? I mean, it's, it, it's tough. I, I would, I would much rather be playing at home this weekend than trying to go to elevation, uh, with guys coming off a, a, you know, essentially a lung disease. Right. So, uh, that, that doesn't make me feel great, but you know, you, you never know. These, I, I think that Colorado and Utah are probably as beatable, maybe not Utah, but Colorado for sure, you know, as beatable as they've been. Um, you know, these, these are teams that, you know, in theory we should be able to beat. So, um, if they can get one of these, you know, I, I think we kind of say this every time they go on this trip, if they can get one, we feel pretty good. Um, you know, try not to get swept. Uh, if they do get swept, we'll, we'll probably just shrug and be like, whatever. That's, you know, it's what happens when you go there. So maybe you don't get your doors blown up. <laughs> they, they, it's not that they just lose these games. Yeah. They like, get they, they'll go and get their doors blown off. Like, yeah. you know, last year, Oh, I guess they lost them at home last year, but like, you know, uh, you know, they went to Colorado last year, just Colorado, didn't play Utah on the road last year and right. lost by double digits. They, you yeah. know, the year, the, the, the year before that lost Colorado by 22, lost to Utah, not very good Utah team by 12. You know, it's, they, they just don't, this is such a nightmare of a trip and it's not like, it's not. A nightmare of a trip in terms of like the way UCLA USC is this year where you're just playing two amazing teams. You're just playing two teams that play really well at home pretty much all the time. And it's just been a nightmare whenever WSU has to go there. So um, I'll hold my breath. You know, obviously uh, Evan Batty still somehow plays for Colorado uh, and he always annoys the hell out of me. Uh, but uh, Utah lost some guys from last year, uh, but they're always, you know, going to be tough. You know, they have Craig Smith coaching them now, um, but, uh, uh, you know, it's be interesting. Um, it'd be really cool if they got one of these two, because uh, it yes, would be a, a stark change from history ever since these two schools uh, joined the, the conference. So um, I'm not sure if WSU has won in Colorado since they joined the conference. Uh, I don't think so. Um, and I know that WSU once lost to a absolutely garbage Utah team yep. <laughs> in, in, in Salt Lake City. So uh, we'll see. Um, it's hard. You know, we have a lot of bad taste in our mouth on this team from, you know, their, where they last ended up. So... Um, you know, they, they, these, they played these teams that they, you know, maybe slightly better than, and then, and then were unable to win those games. And so this is just more of the same teams are at, these teams are at similar levels to the, to the Boise States and the San, uh, South Dakota States and, and, and the New Mexico States of the world. Uh, but you're not at home this time. So we'll see if they, maybe they've, They've grown a bit in this in this time off, but again, like you said, Jeff, they might just be gassed. We might see a lot of guys play, um, which which has been the case all year. But um, yeah, we'll see. I, I'd like to give you better previews, but I, with this, you know, Utah defensively isn't very good. Colorado uh, is, you know, a decent both ends. Uh, they, they're probably better offensively. Jabari Parker is very good. Um, so it, it'll, it'll be interesting to see how they match up. I hope they play. Uh, I want to watch this team again. It feels like it's just been so long uh, since we got to see them play. 
Um, and I, and I hope that all the guys are, are doing well and healthy and, and, uh, that's, that's important, but, um, yeah, I mean, I'm excited. Yeah. And then on the, on the women's team, uh, they kind of, uh, did what was expected this, uh, uh this past weekend. They, they host the Bay Area schools. Cal, uh, as expected is awful and WSU beat them up, you know, by 69-42, easy win. Uh, but nice. the real bummer was, yeah, nice. Sorry, a real nice win. Nice. Wazoo in that game. We like to see it. We love to see it. Um, Ch- Charlize uh, did her thing, 20 points again. and, and um, But then the big bad wolf, Stanford, came into town, and they started out so well. <laughs> Uh, they, they had a lead. They were close after the first quarter. They were close, you know, but then Stanford just went on some runs. You know, they just, it's how they always do it. They go on a big run and then they go on another big run and then they go on another big run. Um, so it was, uh, and then it ends up being, you know, a score that looks like a lot of the other scores between WSU and Stanford. And of course, WSU has still, never beaten Stanford and uh, that's got to be frustrating for them. But again, it wasn't close. I will say one encouraging thing is uh, Charlize, uh, well, you know, her shooting percentage, she still struggled shooting, whatever, but she was able to get into the offense a lot better than last time they played Stanford. Uh, so I think that shows some growth on her part. Uh, they complete, they, she couldn't even get shots off last time they played Stanford. Yeah. Um, and, and this time she was getting shots. She, she actually had a real nice first half. Um, and so that was, that was a bit different. So maybe Charlize is going to be a tougher player to shut down in Pac-12 play. Um, so that's good to see. Uh, but otherwise, yeah, it's just a, just a whip in, you know, that they typically get from Stanford, which sucks. And, uh, uh, cause you'd really like to see that streak end of just never having beaten yes. them. You know, women's basketball, the the talent of the top teams is just so different from the talent of even like like bubbleish type teams or or teams that you know would be like. I, I mean, heck, I'll even go so far as to say like your your very top teams, your top one, two, three, four ish teams. Um, there's a huge difference between like one, two, three, four, and then like five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Like like. You know, call like men's basketball. You know, you can have that as well, but it's it's not the same. Like women's basketball is just so different in terms of like the the very top top teams are just on such a different level. And when you watch Stanford play, um, it's kind of the same deal. I, I was encouraged by the fact that they were in the spurts in which Bella Murakatete could play <laughs> without fouling. Um, she definitely had an influence on the game. Um, you know, she really is truly, you know, a potential difference maker. Uh, you know, when she was in early that that's when they were able to play well early on, she was affecting shots around the rim. Um, you know, she was making life difficult for Stanford trying to finish. Um, you know, and then she got some real nice, uh, post looks. She didn't finish them all, but, um, got some real nice post looks. And then, you know, of course, as she got in foul trouble, um, and was off the floor, we just didn't, didn't have the. Uh, we, we just don't have another player on the roster with the same kind of length and, and quickness, um, that she has. And, um, and then you look at Stanford, they've got like, you know, four 
players like that. So, um, it, it makes, it makes life real, real challenging and real difficult. And, um, you know, I, I, I think Cammy was probably, you know, pretty, um, you know, disappointed at the end because, you know, it, it probably did feel like, you know, they had a chance to, to maybe do some things and then it, you know, it all really, really, you know, fell apart there in the third quarter. But, um, you know, I, I think the gap maybe, I, I don't know. I mean, did you watch the game? Like, it feels like even though the the result was still pretty lopsided, um, it, it just it feels like the gap between the two of them maybe isn't quite as um, significant as as it was. Yeah, it didn't feel like it, it was. It was annoying watching Stanford pull away because it it was just it didn't feel like the same inevitability that it always felt. Yeah, um, and. It just felt like WSU maybe got in its own head a bit once Stanford yep. went on those that first run. Yep. And well, it was hard. I mean, Stanford was making like they went on a stretch where they were making like every three, and that yeah, that's I mean, that's, you that's, know when you make six thing, of seven man, or it, six of eight threes like that, that's a tough thing to deal with against a when, team. When like you that. look at when you look at the the pro, the possibilities of what each player can do, Stanford has a lot of players that could just go on a run like that. Right. right. So all all um, players who would be the best player on just about any team in the country and they're all playing on the same team. Yeah. So but yeah, I, I mean WSU has rarely even started out a game like that against them. Yeah, they really just you know, Bella got in foul trouble, that hurt. Uh, it is probably more ex- exempt like exempt like it showed that um how poor WSU's depth is. Uh, cause yeah, when they had their best five, best six out there, they, they were, they could hang, you know, they probably weren't going to win, but they could hang. But once they weren't playing those, uh, once they were bringing some of the backup guards off, bringing backup bigs, they just, it, that's when Stanford really put the foot down and, 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 you know, Charlie's can only do so much. Her sister can only, Crystal can only do so much. Um, you know, this is a tough game for Johanna. Uh, cause she's just getting, you know, where she's an athletic guard, but you know, she's, she's getting checked by someone who's more athletic maybe, or just as athletic and probably three inches taller. And then you got Tara Wallach who's, yeah, we're excited about our six, one guard. Well, Stanford has a ton of six, one cards. Like, yeah. Yeah. It's just like, and, 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 and one time, like at Haley, one time, Tara, Haley Jones is yeah, exactly. six, three, six, four. And oh, she's by like, the way, Haley ridiculous. Jones has been, not been playing that well this season and she just absolutely obliterated like she just had to not miss all day uh she's been shooting like 30 percent all year and she just had to make every goddamn shot but whatever well of course um yeah uh but yeah so you you got you know tara was playing the five at one point just because you i think cammy just said it was more of like we can't we got to have the most athletic team out there we can't just we can't just be like oh you know Got to put the next up after Bella's, Bella's fouled out. Like, no, I mean, against Stanford. Bella had four we, fouls in, like, ten minutes, I think. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, what are you going to do? Yeah, it's rough. Um, but, again, you know, hopefully as, you know, Charlie's, you know, this season, obviously, I, th- I still think they're good enough to to get some wins in Pac-12 play and, and get back to where they were last year. But you're hoping in, in future seasons they can build, continue to build the depth so they can handle, you know, not be totally destroyed when, you know, when you're, when you're, one of your starters gets in foul trouble. Um, 
And then this weekend coming up, uh, their their game against Arizona State has already been canceled uh, due to COVID and Arizona State's program. And the real bummer of that, because Arizona State was a winnable game on the road, which could have really given, which could have been a really kind of resume boost for um, WSU. Now they could reschedule that, and they still get to play at another date, but. Um, you know, it, it, in that situation, it probably means you're playing a game on shorter rest than you were expected, whatever. Um, but uh, so hopefully they'll still get to play it because that, that's a nice uh, opportunity. Arizona on the road. Arizona has been very good. I mean, obviously they lost their best player from last year, but they have been very good this season. Uh, they're number seven in net. They're 10 and yep. 0. Uh, they're, they're rolling through opponents. Uh, they have uh, not taken a step back. Uh, they might even be better than they were last year. Um, so they're going to be tough. And that's your only game this week is another top 10 team, and this time it's on the road. So, uh, you know, a team that lost the national championship. You, you, you played the the team that won the national championship last year, and then you, you get the team that lost the national championship game last year. Yep. Um, so it's a bummer not to ha- also have the Arizona State game this weekend as, as a – as, as a real opportunity. Um, but hopefully uh, they'll get that back on the, on the schedule. Cause that, that's really a, one of those yeah. games, like, like the Oregon state win they get and the Colorado wins they got last year that, that were just kind of those extra boosts on top of their big wins. Now, obviously beating Arizona would be huge. I'm not writing that off altogether. I'm just saying it's going to be tough. Like it, it that's going to be a tough one to get yep. um, in Tucson. So, uh, I mean, if they do, that's that's the type of win that the win over Arizona was last year that came at home. You know, that's just a resume anchor. Um, so again, you know, if they can do that, maybe Charlize goes off like she did last year, and Char, you know, uh, they you know they they can do that. But uh, otherwise, you know, they've slipped down to seventy five in net right now. So um, you know, that getting pummeled by Stanford doesn't help. Uh, so they they need. They need some some positivity um, in the net, and uh, giving a getting a tough game, you know, playing Arizona tough even would help. Um, getting a win would be huge, but yep. uh, they need to show something against Arizona, I think. Otherwise, some of those uh, those tournament hopes could be slipping um, before we really get into the heart of Pac-12 play. Yeah, I mean, as we know, last year they made it in on the strength of beating teams like Arizona. You know, they, they won a couple of games, two, three games that uh, showed they could hang with the best teams in the country. And, you know, I feel, uh, you know, at some point you got to do that. You got to show someone that you can beat someone. Right. I mean, it's, it's the same thing we're talking about with the men's team. Like you got to you got to show the, that you can beat someone. And, you know, this is obviously a chance um, for that. They have the uh, they, one thing that at least they got going for them. They have a top 40 road, you know, over Gonzaga win in an off conference that's something the men's team cannot have that does not yes, have yes that's true um so but again like you said if if you get a top 10 top 15 win like that's worth double in, in the eyes of the in the eyes of the committee that's how yep. that's how you get in with a 12 and 12 record last year is because yeah you beat some solid teams some bubble and and tournament teams on the road but you also 
got to win over UCLA and you got to win over Arizona. And, and those are worth double. Those are worth huge. That's how you end up as an eight seed versus what a lot of us thought maybe they were barely in and they were, well, I guess a nine seed. They were a nine seed and we thought they were barely in. It turns out they were pretty solidly in. Um, so, uh, yeah, these, obviously that makes this an opportunity, but it's also a super tough game. So, um, uh, hopefully, you know, they can go out and win. That one's on what, uh, Friday night. Yeah. Um, the one that was against ASU was canceled was on Sunday, Sunday. So, uh, they'll be flying home early from Arizona. Um, but yeah, so I guess, you know, we talked, we talked football, we talked both the hoops teams. I, I don't, I don't get to talk about what something I really wanted to say today is, uh, Jeff, as you remember, uh, we had, uh, the host of the flagrant podcast, uh, friend of our friend, Emma, um, yes. our friend, uh, Sierra Smith, uh, known as Sierra mountains on Twitter. Um, so I would like to help, uh, forward a campaign. So right now, um, you know, Sierra would really like to have, you know, she does social media for flagrant does an excellent job. If you follow flagrants, uh, social media, she's great. She's very funny. Uh, as a host of the podcast, just has a great sense of humor, um, uh, really understands social media. Um, so right now, her favorite WNBA team, where she lives in Chicago, the Chicago Sky, are hi- hiring a social media coordinator. Mm. So what I would love for you to do, you listening, is to go on Twitter and Instagram, whatever, I don't know what Sierra's uh, handle is on Instagram, but or, but on Twitter, her handle is at Sierra Mountains, C-I-A-R-A, Mountains. Um, I w- go ahead and go on Twitter, at the Chicago Sky, and tell them for their social media coordinator position, they should hire Sierra Mountains, at Sierra Mountains. Okay. Um, I would love for you to do that if you're listening. Um, let's, let's build this, you know, let's get Sierra. Sierra apparently she's already worked for them in the retail shop. She loves them. Biggest fan of Chicago sky. Also very talented social media person. Uh, really looking for that first big social media gig. This would be great for her. I I looked at the pay. I honestly, if you're looking for anyone other than a recent college graduate, you should be paid more. <laughs> you're saying two to three's experience. You're 35,000 a year. Are you fucking kidding me in Chicago. Um, but anyways, I mean, if you look at some of the salaries for WNBA players, you can understand that maybe a little bit. more. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, um, uh, but anyways, Sierra, this is a perfect job for her. Uh, it would be so cool if she got it. And let's let everyone know that we believe she should get it. So go on at Sierra Mountains, at Chicago Sky. Tell them that you want them to hire Sierra Mountains as their social media coordinator. Let's let's help make this happen. Anyway, so uh, that that was my one plug for today. Other than yeah, you, know, you can follow do you it. can follow me at the Craig Powers. You can follow Jeff at Pod versus Everyone on Twitter. Um, you can email us Podcast vs Everyone at gmail.com if you have questions comments we haven't gotten an email in a long time oh we got smart uh so send us an email um yeah so uh nothing else to plug uh so go coops
kooks, Craig. Black Lives Matter. Black Lives Matter. Get vaccinated, y'all. Get boosted.